five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Q Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about venture capital and startups. My guest is Rick Tumlinson, the founding partner of Space Fun. Rick is also the founder of the Earthlight Foundation, and in 2012, co-founded Deep Space Industries. However, before these endeavors and others that he started, and going back to 1988, he was one of the founders of the Space Frontier Foundation, which has had an impact on many space startups over the years. Today we'll revisit some of Rick's history, but we'll focus on the Space Fund, which was created in 2018. To use Rick's words, the Space Fund enables the development of space by bringing visionary investors together with brilliant entrepreneurs. The Space Fund currently has two funds, a $1 million traditional VC fund, and a more ambitious 50 to $70 million fund using security tokens, which isn't available yet and which they're building up. Okay, let's get chatting with Rick. Welcome, Rick, to the Space Q Podcast. Hey, thanks, Mark. I'm excited to be here. Now, for the audience out there, uh, I have known Rick for approximately 22 years or so. Not that our paths have crossed too often, but they have crossed. Uh, I think the first time was uh, when the Mars Society was being formed, and I was going to Sri Lanka to meet Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, I was part of a larger trip that I was on, and you had phoned me up and said, hey, you're going to see Arthur C. Clarke, and uh, you're doing this Mars Society thing. Let's talk. So uh, I think that's the first time that, that, that we actually uh, uh, got to talking. And then, of course, over the years, different things have happened where we've sort of crossed paths. But now, now you're really focused from what I've seen recently on the Space Fund. And I don't think a lot of people know what the Space Fund is, so maybe just give it a bit of an introduction. Yeah, and Mark, I, I do have to say, I mean, 22 years is a long time for two guys that are just barely in their 40s, you know. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, absolutely kidding. Uh, we, we, are, we date much older than that. Uh, well, um, let me tell you about Space Fund. Space Fund is a... Um, venture capital fund that is designed to uh, enable what we call frontier technologies. Um, and these are the kinds of technologies that both support and will derive from the space revolution. And as you know, or your listeners may not know, but I've been engaged for Many, many years. My, my biggest cause over the years has been to help uh, open what we call the frontier of space um, in ways that will create an economic industrial economy and uh, have fought many, many years also, you know, in, in Congress and other places to, for example, help get legislation passed that enabled SpaceX and these other companies to fly, all of which are leading to what we call the human breakout. And having gotten to a certain point where these things I call the three keys to space have 
have actually started to be achieved, and we can talk about that in a moment, I, I believe the time is now for us to look at how we can bring intelligent capital into this industry and align it with visionary um, and, of course, sensible uh, founders of startup companies. So Space Fund, in, 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 in a short version of that then, Space Fund is a venture capital company that is taking uh, visionary investors and putting them with brilliant startups and founders in the frontier enabling um, space of space. <laughs> now, when did you decide to start the Space Fund and, and, and who else did you rope in to, to get it going? <laughs> well, um, I, had, uh, I had left uh, a previous company that I started called Deep Space Industries uh, a few years ago and was looking for my next uh, project. Um, and, and, and frankly, a lot of the lessons I had learned being on the other end of the startup equation as a founder with Deep Space Industries, um, I wanted to apply uh, and, and try and help this, this, uh, this field get rolling. So in the, uh, towards the end of 2019, was when Space Fund um, was formally started. Now, I had tried uh, a variation of that almost a year before, uh, but it was really more of a learning curve experience. And so Space Fund itself was formally started in 2019. I uh, found a, uh, uh, an investor and uh, also immediately, because I had been talking to her during the formative process, brought in uh, Megan Crawford as uh, a managing partner for the company. Megan is is just brilliant. She runs the uh, oldest business plan competition for the space field, the space business plan competition, um, and is sort of the startup whisperer uh, in the space field uh, and knows all of the um, you know, all of the companies that are just getting their act together. Um, she's coached a lot of them, helped them write their business plans. Um, so it was a perfect uh, match because, you know, I know many of the, <laughs> the old timers of what we call new space. And yeah. um, I'm engaged in the policy. I'm engaged in a lot of different areas. So I'm, I can look at the broad strategic uh, field, and then she is able to roll up with these companies, uh, and together, then we're able to, um, uh, you know, combine and have some pretty good analysis. Right. So the two of you make the 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 team that goes out there, and and of course, with Megan's experience and and being the uh, startup whisperer, yeah, I suppose you have access to uh, a lot of companies that would be interested in in funding. So, uh, in the first two years uh, since you got going, you've actually uh, made uh, three investments. Uh, one of them, which you mm -hmm. just exited, uh, and those three investments were Orbit Fab. Axiom Space and Maiden Space. Uh, let's just talk briefly uh, uh, about each of those, 
uh, and we'll leave Made in Space for last because that one you just exited. So Orbit Fab, mm-hmm. uh, was that a tough sell? Because, I mean, the CEO there is Daniel Faber, and he was a D- CEO at Deep Space Industries. So you guys must have really had to, uh, 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 you know, hit it off uh, for you <laughs> to go in and then invest in, in Orbit Fab. Well, yeah, it, look, there's, uh, you know, uh, a million stories in the Space City of these companies and the interrelationships. And Mark, and I know you were right in the middle of uh, knowing a lot of them. But the, the, the fact is that if you want to look at that frontier philosophy, um, the idea of growing an industrial economy in space, and you can see the fingerprints in what Daniel is doing from the philosophy of deep space, which is a space resources company. So what Daniel did was he moved to a different part of the supply chain. And the fact that he um, clearly, hopefully like myself, had learned some lessons from what we did with Deep Space um, before it was acquired. And I do want to remind you of that. It was acquired. Um, There are actually Deep Space thrusters in orbit right now um, that were designed and and put together uh, before the company was acquired. Uh, but the fact is that Daniel had taken that knowledge and learning and applied it to this new company and had moved very quickly, had flown um, some prototypical uh, technologies on the space station. And if, again, going back to that supply chain that I just mentioned, if you're looking at creating an economy based on off-world resources, um, especially in terms of propellant, then you're going to have to start early in the more established space economy that we have now, such as uh, satellites. It is a, and, and it's weird when you talk about this stuff, Mark, in terms of tradition bound because it's space, you know, and people think space is always so new, but the satellite industry is very tradition bound. And as you know, um, if you put a large satellite up there, it basically has the propellant on board. And when that's gone, it's done. So Daniel basically has gone out and started working with the satellite companies. And, and I, I say this kind of teasingly, but um, he's selling gas caps. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the ability to um, have those propellant tanks on those spacecraft uh, modified so they can be refilled. Now, that's a long lead item that will intersect downstream with the ability to transfer a propellant to them. Um, And we thought that was kind of a genius idea. Um, It's a very small, focused technology, um, but one that is pivotal and can be modified into existing, very expensive technologies, extend their life, et cetera. So... We thought that was great. Now, I want to be very clear. All three of these companies um, went through diligence, and uh, we're very careful about that. Um, We worked with some other investment companies and some friends of ours um, on uh, two of the three. But, you know, I was just excited about what Daniel was doing uh, as soon as I heard about it because, again, you know, You've been in the field long enough, and I'm sure many of your listeners have too, that when you hear one of these ideas, there's, if it's an elegant idea, it, it jumps out at you. And we, we 
clearly thought that this was one. Was that your first investment or was that? Uh... You know, uh, Mark, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> they all three happened right in the same window. And so I'm not going to say which one was first. They all happened within probably a 30 or 60 day window. And I can't remember, frankly, which one came through um, our process the first, but they were all three right in the same time frame. All right. All right. So let, let's talk about Axiom Space because this one's really quite interesting. Mm. If I remember correctly, is, is this is this the company that was started by Mike Safradidi, formerly of NASA? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. Right. So, how, how did that investment come about? Uh, we were approached by some friends that were uh, making an investment and uh, given the chance to to join in on it and. Um, uh, we looked at it. Um, what's interesting about it is that uh, Mike Separdini, um was formerly in charge of the space station, which meant that yeah. he had an insider's perspective. Um, he um, had brought together a team that included his partner, which uh, a fellow who had been a longtime contractor engaged in training astronauts. Um, and then the rest of his team impressed us as well. Also, this is where, um, but th this is where kind of my background begins to kick in because if you look at the political um, flow of time right now, we know that NASA would like to declare victory with the space station, um, and um, you know they want to be able to show that it has. Uh, been foundational in the development of, of different uh, space business activities, including private commercial labs and facilities. So we knew that Axiom was an answer to that question. So that was another check in their favor. Um, the fact that they were beginning the process of working up to their private space facility by signing up private space travelers um, and then that would be uh, leading towards, you know, the full usage of their facility. That was another check. The fact that they were able to, uh, uh, you know, basically get that airlock that they're going to attach to. And uh, we didn't know it at the time, but as has turned out, get a contract to then use that, that module in terms of, uh, uh, working with NASA and getting grants out of NASA in terms of developing it. Uh, that was another great thing. Um, and even going back a little further than that, last year, um, as you know, Mark, I signed up the first private space traveler, a guy named Dennis Tito. Um, we were originally going to fly him on Mir, and we ended up getting him flown on the space station. And at the time, we had to put Dennis uh, through the Russians because the Americans had no structures and systems to enable the flight of, of private citizens or commercial activities. And it kind of lit a, a light last year when suddenly NASA announced they were putting prices on um, utilization on the U.S. side of the station for private space travel. And it all began to come together and we realized, ah, these guys, that's what they're doing. Here it comes. 
So uh, we ran across this deal, and of course, we decided to jump in. Okay. Well, that's pretty, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, both of these uh, investments, uh, uh, and including the Made in Space one, were definitely, I suppose, would fit your criteria of, you know, pushing the envelope on the next frontier technologies that, that are going to be needed. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, the Made in Space and, 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 you know, were you a little surprised that the exit came now? Uh, considering, I mean, Made in Space has been around for a while, but you guys had only been uh, in, in with them for maybe two years. Oh, much less than two years. <laughs> you know, right. Um, you know, Made in Space is interesting. They actually had, you know, I've always loved those guys, uh, the founders, and they, uh, because they had come through the other organization I founded, the Space Frontier Foundation, years before. Um, and, and that's, you know, where they had kind of gotten their start. So I've always uh, liked them. I thought their innovation, the ability to maneuver, um, come up with new ideas was, was incredible. Um, and were, they, go ahead. Were, were they in the space uh, business competition? I think they were the very first space business right. competition that we held, um, or, or one of the very early ones, um, and um, one of the winners, you know. Um, yeah. But again, I've gotten to know them over time, and they're, they're, just, they're just great, solid people. I, I, I like their their approach to things. And um, we were given an offer through, again, some friends who had – uh, basically done a lot of different diligence work that uh, goes beyond the, hey, I like these guys and their tech because that's not, you know, how we base everything. Um, and we did our own on top of that and uh, decided to go in. There were some uh, some nice financial angles on, on the deal, and uh, it, it looked pretty good. So we decided to go for it. The, um, the exit... Um, which, as you know, just occurred uh, with their acquisition. Um, pleasant surprise, frankly. And I won't get into the, you know, the behind the scenes and all of this of, of how that came about, why it came about. Um, but for us, of course, it was great because, um, you know, we came out in the green, and um, it was uh, early. And our life's fund, I mean, you, you know, our fund is a 10-year fund. So to get our first exit uh, a few months in uh, was a happy time for us. And you said you made some money off of it. Did you make of a, a, enough of a return to, to make it, uh, to make everybody happy on the team? Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're very happy. If you look at uh, return of money over time, um Given the fact that we were in for just a few months, yeah, we're very, very happy about the situation. And, you know, I know they want to, the founders want to get on and do some other exciting stuff. And so we're just excited all the way around. Now, how large is the fund and, 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 and how many more, do you have any more uh, investments lined up? Yes. Okay. So, well, let me, um, let me give you the breakdown of the fund. We actually have two funds that have been set up. Um, one, the first fund that is, was called, is called Space Fund One, or we like to call it the 
rapid deployment fund, which is the one that we use for these three investments, is designed for um, uh, private investors, individual investors. I, I should give this disclaimer. Um, anything I say here is, is aimed at accredited investors only. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't hit that time where um, you know regular folks can invest um, in these types of activities. And uh, you know, we're very, very careful with the SEC. Always want to be. We love the SEC. And you know the fact is that we wanted to set up a small, fast-moving proof of concept fund. We wanted to prove that we had the um, the deal flow that would be available to us by being in the space community. We wanted to prove that we could pick winners. We wanted to prove also that we're not doing this sort of stereotypical venture capital roulette wheel or shotgun approach that our, um, our selections are curated very carefully and we're not placing a thousand bets and hoping on one unicorn. Um, you know, we're going to place several and many over time, but we're being very, very cautious and, and using all of our knowledge base and our advisors. We have a great advisory board uh, to go in and make sure that the, 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 we maximize the chance of winning uh, as opposed to, you know, putting a lot of money everywhere and, and hoping for the win. Um, so it's a million dollar fund. And um, we're looking for folks who are maybe, 100K, 50K type investors, um, you know, like maybe they don't want to buy a Tesla. They want to invest in space, you know, uh, something like that. A really nice Tesla, obviously. Um, but um, so that's what that is. And then the, uh, the second fund is aimed at more um, institutional, larger investors, family offices, um, and that is a 50 to $70 million fund. We went ahead and uh, set them both up. And I should say this, they are both um, very traditional Delaware uh, registered corporations. Um, but we did add one little thing. Um, and that is um, that we have put within them the ability to use security tokens. And what that means is that you can come into the fund completely, either fund, tr completely traditionally. Everything, uh, any, any investor, sophisticated investor is going to be able to look at our paperwork and say, well, this is straight up and down the line traditional. But you could also switch over into the security token option. Um, and... In fact, some of the investors themselves that are in space funds, the actual management company, come from that world, and we had a great education in, um, in that arena. Uh, but the idea of a security token is one that, after a one-year holding period, which is standard across the board SEC type stuff, um, you can then have the ability to move laterally, and there are exchanges that are popping up around the world for security tokens. I should be very, very careful here to make sure that your audience understands that this is not one of those things you may have heard of, like an ICO, um, an initial coin offering or anything like that. Uh, security tokens are SEC regulated. They are um, not um, 
in the same world. It's not Bitcoin. It's not any of the, those currencies or anything like that. It is a basically a, um, a digital electronic means of registering, managing, uh, tracking, tracing, you know, the paperwork. So uh, it gets rid of reams it, of paperwork. It uses blockchain, but you're saying it's not a cryptocurrency on the exchanges. Correct. It uses the underlying blockchain that is ledger. a derivative of the Ethereum. Yes, the blockchain ledger. And interestingly, um, again, making sure that you're away from that whole Bitcoin speculation, all of that. Interestingly, the blockchain ledger itself um, enables uh, tracking, tracing, uh, and these kinds of things of the different um, interactions, you know, during the life of the shares. So it also gives us a very, uh, we have a, uh, a security uh, token-based method of doing what's called KYC AML, which is know your customer anti-money laundering. Uh, so we're very careful about that. And the beauty of it, once you get downstream, and let's say five years from now, you've been holding your shares, um, and I don't know, your, your son or daughter decides they want a Tesla now, and you, you're stuck in your space shares. Well, as these exchanges are growing around the world, you'll be able to go onto an exchange and barter um, or sell, and I put that in quotation marks, but barter or sell your shares um, and move, you know, move out of the fund. Um, what's really fascinating to me about this, and we're getting down in the weeds here, but um, is these people who have come in, um, American, international, whatever, using the KYC AML of our tokenized system, if they choose to do this approach, um, can only then exchange or barter their shares to someone that matches them um, at the same level of having been cleared. So it's, it, it is a lateral set of exchanges that can occur downstream. Um, so we like it. It's, it's a really useful uh, technology, but I will tell you the preponderance of people that have come in so far are uh, doing it traditionally. Traditionally, and that is your first fund that you're talking about, not the second one. Um, yes, yes. The second one now, is open. We haven't kicked it off yet. It is open. If somebody comes in and, and says they want to be the anchor investor, we'll take them and off we go. Um, but in either fund, you could do it with a security token. Now, I noticed that you both your uh, venture partners are David Johnson and Roland Hicks, and they just happen to be both uh, blockchain people. <laughs> so was this yeah. something that came from them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was um, It was an education uh, and a half. I, I was uh, like climbing Everest, and, you know, uh, educationally um, last year. And this is what led to us taking um, the, the work we had been doing prior to the fall of last year. Uh, I'm sorry, the fall of 
yeah, last year, uh, and and deciding to do Space Fund in that it was. Um, let me back up a second here. I'm getting my calendar wrong. So the fall of yeah, it was last year. <laughs> Sorry, um, right. The Roland and um, Roland and David are, are both very, very big in the field. David is one of the world's top experts on, on blockchain. Um, and he's here in Austin. And we came through a, a friend, started talking to him, and realized that this technology um, was potentially going to revolutionize um, financial interactions and, and many other things. Um, and there are actually companies out there in blockchain for uh, other uh, other activities in space, um, ownership, you know, chains of ownership and things like that. But uh, David came in as an investor with us and um, introduced us to Roland, some other folks, and we brought them in, and it's it's been great. It's been really great. Um, you know, part of it too, I, I have to admit that the blockchain community um, are very much like those of us who are, are hardcore space geeks. They already have that future orientation. They already have a, a little tiny spark of the rebel in them. Um, and, um, and they're very innovative in their thinking. So we were very pleased to, to hook up with them. And obviously this is a, um, long-term thing with the the second fund i mean at 50 to 70 70 million dollars you're talking about uh and implementing mm -hmm. the blockchain and the the security the, the security tokens uh it's going to take some while i think for uh the market to to adapt to this do you think yeah yeah it is and, and again that's why we're um that's why it's a dual you know you, you have your choice it's a dual approach and, um, you know, once somebody is invested with us, they can stay traditional up and down the line, paper certificates, whatever, uh, that's fine. Uh, but as we move forward in time, people may choose to move over. I did leave out one of the most important aspects of this and one of the most important reasons we were attracted to the uh, uh, security token concept was liquidity. Um, you can move way earlier than having to wait for the fund to go through its full 10-year maturation um, if, you're, if you're in a security tokenized uh, ownership. So it's, it's really something very interesting to us. It, it, of course, gave us the panache of being the world's first you know, tokenized space venture capital fund. Um, but it's an, it's an exciting technology. I don't want to get overly hung up or characterize the company too much that that is specifically what we're doing with space fund. But I, I think it is part of us um, being aware of what's coming and trying to create new options for people who might've hesitated before in terms of investing in space. All right. Uh, let's move on to future and potential investments. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There seems to be some venture capital pullback. Um, as far as the space fund is concerned, do you think you're going to come across any investments this year that, that you might make 
or are you guys just holding off and waiting, oh. seeing how things go? No, we are, uh, we're in full, full tilt boogie, as they might say. Um, we have, um, you know, we, we're tracking a couple of thousand different companies out there in the world. Um, and we've looked at hundreds uh, that have gotten into our funnel. Um, and there are probably uh, a dozen that are working their way in different speeds through to our investment committee uh, right now. And um, so it's very exciting. And they range, uh, Mark, what I'm excited about is that they, they range in character. Um, they are more startup oriented than, um, you know, Maiden Space, um, for example, um, which ha wasn't really exactly a startup. And, you know, I should clarify that while we have a, uh, an intention to focus on startups, that of course is not going to be the entirety of our portfolio. Um, I can tell you that we are not uh, going to be largely investing, for example, in launch systems. Um, we feel that market is over full. <laughs> um, you know, there's over a hundred. Uh, well, you know, it depends on what time of day it is. But so far today, there's over 100 um, launch companies out there. And uh, we believe at the end of the day, maybe a dozen will survive. And even that depends. And this is my personal opinion um, on what happens with Starship and 100% reusable launch systems. Um, but, uh, our, you know, we are looking at several. Um, and... Um, you know, one of them involves uh, AI. There's there's one that uh, involves uh, uh, servers in space. There's there's one that involves uh, you know laser calm. Uh, there's one that involves uh, cooling systems. Uh, on and on. There's they're just and and I like these because they're not the glamorous. These are behind the scenes infrastructure. You know. Um, I used to, in many of my talks over the years, I would talk about the gold rush and how everybody went, you know, to California during that period of time to get gold. And it was the people that were, you know, selling them the, the tin pans and the Levi's, you know, that made most of the money. Um, and uh, go ahead. Yeah. Are, are you, are you looking largely at, uh, uh, U.S.-based companies, or do you, are you looking uh, internationally as well? We are we are open to international. Um, our attention right now has been focused on the U.S., but we are open to both international investors and international companies. Um, I can tell you this: that we, we've had a lot of conversations at different levels with people. Uh, especially in Europe um, and uh, some at least in terms of potentially adding a completely overseas fund or two as we move on. Uh, but we have to pay attention to the work in front of us right now. And uh, so, yes, uh, largely U.S., but again, it's not a bias. It just is the way things are working out. So if somebody came to us with a Canadian company or a, um, you know, uh, a Mexican company or European or, 
African, whatever, uh, we will certainly take a look at it on the merits. Um, but it is really important to me. And you know, Mark, you've known me for a long time, and you know that I'm an internationalist, and, and uh, um, I believe in, in lifting all of humanity um, into space. So we are very, very open um, to both international investors and international companies to go into the portfolios. As we uh, close the start, the first fund and get the second fund up to a certain state, a uh, certain size and scale, we will then uh, most likely uh, move into uh, some form of an international fund. But that doesn't prohibit us from either taking in investors or investing with either of the two current funds internationally. All right. So I've got one more uh, question for you because we are running a little bit long. Um, you talked mm -hmm. about uh, the database that, that you guys have with you know over a thousand companies. I noticed mm -hmm. that you have what you call the reality rating databases on the websites for a variety of things like transportation, communications, human factors, supply chain, energy. Um, uh, how, I mean, are you updating those databases on a frequent basis? Is this and is this something that Megan is working on? Yes, we have a. Let me back up here. Uh, regarding the uh, Space Fund reality ratings, what we're doing is making available to the investment community um, a resource that we needed ourselves anyway. In terms of our diligence, we needed to find out who was what, what was going on, and we couldn't find it in any one place. So we decided to create that and then, and you know, Frankly speaking, there are parts of it that we don't publish, of course, the little secret sauce, let's call it. But we are publishing the rest of it as a service to people who may be interested in investing in or doing business in these particular sectors. We are updating them somewhat regularly, some parts more than others. For example, transportation is, is updated uh, very frequently. Um, the other areas are getting updates as we can, and then... Uh, you'll notice on our website that some of the areas haven't been uh, done yet, and we're going to be rolling those out in, in, uh, in the coming months. I do think we're about to do one, uh, an update on our lunar uh, database in terms of, you know, we've got the Apollo anniversary coming up. But um, it's turning out that this is something that people are excited about. And, you know, Megan and uh, our uh, – uh, chief researcher, a fellow named Andrew Andrew Granitstein, um, are the leads on that in that team, and um, uh, I'm I'm really excited about that. It's actually turning into something on its own, and uh, we have been asked to consult, and we're actually open to consulting with companies that may have an interest in diligence research. Uh, things like that, to the point that we've recently decided to spin off a subsidiary called Space Fund Intelligence. Um, and Megan is going to be leading that subsidiary as a woman-owned right. company because we do not have enough women CEOs in our field. You know, and, and if you don't mind, I do want to mention that we are, uh, um, as you and your listeners are aware, we're in a time of cultural change right now. And 
things such as the Black Lives Matter movement and, and things like that. And um, we put out, I, I published an article recently, um, and also um, we sent something out to our mailing list that Space Fund is actually going to lean forward in that realm. And we are reviewing our own internal structure. Um, we're also putting out a call for Black, minority, and basically non-white male-run <laughs> space companies because our field, um, well, it, you know, we need a lot more. We need more people engaged. If this is about all of us going into the frontier, um, we need a, a much greater variety of the types, kinds, orientations, and representations of the people uh, to show up in terms of these companies. So we're going to be leaning forward in that, and we're looking for portfolio companies. I, I do also want to put the caveat on that, that we are a venture capital firm, and we have a responsibility to our investors. So this doesn't mean that anybody is going to be put to the front of the line um, if they fit one of these underrepresented areas. But, you know, we're going to bring them into the, into the court, onto the field, and it's going to be up to them to perform in the game. But we, we really feel this is part of our responsibility as well. All right. That's fantastic. Um, space needs as many people as it can get and doesn't care where they come from. Um, Rick, well, this has know, been a fascinating... I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the Romulans, I, I, I have a problem with the Romulans, <laughs> but you know, other than that, we're okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding with you. I need some Romulan ale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. I think with that, we're going to call it a show. Uh, this has been very fascinating. I think our, our audience are going to be uh, uh, taking a look at the website a little bit more, spacefund.com, uh, to see, um, to learn more about what you're doing, including the Space Fund uh, reality rating, um, because I find that part actually quite interesting myself. Um, Space Q itself has an intelligence unit, and we're working on some of those same areas as well. <laughs> uh, but a little bit more on a Canadian focus. Wow. Okay. So, uh, Rick, thank you for being on, on the show. And uh, as we go forward and you guys make some more investments, we'll, we'll get you back on the show. Thank you very much, Mark. I, I enjoyed the in interview, and I uh, especially your patience with my long and meandering answers. Well, that's a wrap on this podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca. I read and answer all your comments in a timely fashion. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook. Regardless of which app you use to listen to us, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate our podcast and write a review. Of course, that's only if you like us. Your rating and review will help us in getting the podcast widely listened to. And hey, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq.